Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show. I'm your host, Cypher73, Chris Cabrera, and I have an exquisite guest on today. Um, I heard him on another podcast, and some of the stuff that he was talking about was mind-blowing, so I had to have him. Honestly, I didn't think I was going to be able to because I figured he'd be extremely busy. But uh, my guest today is Shane Bales, also known as The Ruiner, a.k.a. Shane Sador. How you doing, sir? All is well. And uh, yeah, just to clarify the names, I use Shane Sidora as a writing name. I was born Shane Sidora. I got adopted when I was six, which is where the Bales last name comes from. So it's my legal name. But yeah, just for um, some other projects I'm working on, I've been using Sidora. So I, they're both my last name. I actually have ID in both. So technically, I'm two people. <laughs> that, hey, it's better than being one person, right? Sometimes you can just flip the script whenever you want to, right? That's right. Um, you're you're a blogger uh, on the Ruiner seven 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 dot blogspot dot com. Is that correct? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I wrote a blog that is there, but I wouldn't really call myself a blogger. Um, the story behind that was I was writing it uh, at the time. I had a bunch of people who had kind of just got out of programs, projects, and cults that I was emailing with. Um, kind of like a, a small group. And there was about 13 when it started. It ended up being about 20. But uh, someone had suggested writing a cryptic blog so that I didn't have to write 13 to 20 emails every day, right? Or like, and they all kind of had the same questions. So one of them kind of organized a list and gave me the list. And I started writing in that way. And I put it up so that, you know, it could be if someone stumbled upon it, they might not even know really what it was. But uh, the people who I was writing it for would. And I think the only reason the alternative community ever found it was one of them is titled Avians. And at the time, someone was uh, making up a story about blue avians that uh, became really popular. And um, yeah, I think the search <laughs> results led one to the other. And because I was kind of connected with both that individual and the researcher he was speaking through, um, yeah, everyone kind of gravitated towards the blog. It got posted on David Icke's forum, the rest of his history. So uh, yeah, it was never intended to be uh, something that was ongoing or available to the public. <clears throat> um, I added to it because the public found it. I changed up the way I did it because the public found it. But uh, the, the original intention was for a smaller group of people. I got you. And we'll get into the quote unquote blue avians later. But um, you're also, from what I understand, a musician. Um, I don't know if you, this this still exists. The Unraveling Music, is that con still continuing? Unraveling, unraveling music, yeah. And uh, there's another another band, earlier band called The Mindsight, which is probably the, the the two that you're getting confused. But yeah, I um just a singer for The Mindsight, actually just a singer, I guess, for both of them. So uh, yeah, I, I sing and write vocals for both of those bands. What type? What type of music? Uh, one is kind of similar to like a tool or a system of a down or some people think of Linkin Park because we did have two uh, vocalists. Um, and then the other one is very similar to like a nine inch nails. But uh, we're kind of getting into new territory doing something that's a little bit nine inch nails meets R&B kind of like the weekend type stuff now. So, OK, cool. Awesome. All right. So um, and you're also a former member of the Illuminati bloodline, correct? Or is. Well, I guess bloodline, you can't really be a former of. Um, and yeah, I, had, I was an active member of what the public calls the Illuminati, which is essentially just an umbrella organization that looks after all the different secret societies and all of the different intelligence agencies all over the world um, to keep it all under one umbrella or one pyramid. And yeah, that's uh, I was raised by those people being groomed to be one of them. I um 
And, you know, at the time when I wrote the blog, I couldn't really say what that organization was going to be, but I hinted at this organization that I was being groomed for. And now it's a very popular uh, World Economic Forum. Everyone knows who it is and can kind right. of see the writing on the wall in terms of why someone like me might have been groomed for something like that. But, um, yeah, I, I guess the first time I tried to get out, I was about 13. All right. And so listen, what's your origin story? Let's just get into like like where you were born and raised, because I think that uh that has a lot to do with the path that you're on now. Okay. Yeah. So so where were you born and raised? And then uh don't leave any um details out. I mean, this is, you know, as much detail as possible. And then uh your upbringing and then what led you on the current path that you're on right now? Well, I was born like I live in Canada, uh, Ontario, Canada, uh, currently in, the, in Muskoka area. I was in Toronto for the last 10 years. I was born in a town called Bradford and um, well, I guess Newmarket, but I lived in Bradford at the time. Um, I have family ties to that organization. Uh, they don't take everybody who's related to them. Like not every kid born into that family gets used in this way. Uh, the reason I was selected was because I was exhibiting extra, extra sensory perceptions or what people would call psychic type activity. Um, so I guess I was four when the, I was introduced to what would become my first handler. It was more or less, uh, I was taken to my first underground establishment and, uh, run through a series of tests and then the end result was so, that I was so, so Shane what, what 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 your parents they allowed this to happen did they know about this was this something no, that happened they didn't, know. they didn't know so you just got essentially abducted well no it was a family member right so a lot of it okay. was very inconspicuous right my family was tied into it certain branch of my family and certain individuals within that branch were tied into it so one family member very inconspicuously took me out one day and uh. introduced me right and um the kind of cover for the way that that would work was anytime i had to go there i was either picked up by that family member or i was uh, sent to stay with my aunt which was um kind of this, uh, you, we all know how families get sometimes, not all branches talk to each other, right? So there was this particular, there's two branches in my family that nobody really interacts with except for me. So one branch had taken me, the other one is that aunt that I would go stay with, right? So as an example, I have two younger brothers and they didn't know that side of those two sides of our family. Okay, so, uh, now do they have the same gifts as you or no? Yeah, well, I mean, everybody does, but um, theirs weren't were never quite as turned on as mine were. Oh, it, they weren't as prominent and it yeah, didn't yeah. like catch any eyes, I guess. I guess the story was that like, I didn't speak for a long time when I was a kid. And then when I finally did, I recited the entire movie of the never ending story front to back, staring at a wall. Oh, <laughs> so, great movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were like, um, yeah, it freaked everybody out. And wow. that, that's where it kind of started. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, I was introduced then. Obviously, I was a, a fit candidate, so they they brought me in. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you're going growing up through that, there's a lot of dangling carrots, as I call them. They make you feel special. They tell you you're special. You are special, right? And you know things that other kids don't know, and you're getting shown things that the rest of the world thinks is myth and legend and fiction, right? So there's a lot of incentive to keep your mouth shut. As you start to get older... Um, obviously, when you're a kid, you're being used in things like rituals. You're not participating in them. As you get older, 
they try to push you into the participation side, right? That do back to others what has been done to you. Um, and a lot of people would follow it because it seems normal to them. It's been normalized. But that was my first divergence where I was just like, I'm not going to do anything like that to another person. Like, no. Right. And um, I was only about 13 at the time. And that was the first time I tried to get out of it because they started, you know, threatening me and punishing me for the things I would not do. And um, I learned very quickly that you can't really get out of things like that very easily, right. if, if at all. So, um I ended up, uh, that became my incentive to continue to participate was the fact that I was worried for, you know, people in my life uh, right. and whatnot. Were they threatened? Like, cause I'm saying like as a kid, I mean, you're, you're getting punished for something that you know, you're not supposed to do. I would imagine that maybe there's a part of you that's like, oh, I'm going to tell my mother and my dad and they probably what they threaten you with. with oh, yeah. As a kid, like my parents wouldn't believe it. Right. And, right. um, I've, they were the first place I went and they were just, they just thought I was making something up. So I had gone to a family member who I thought would actually listen to me and they did. And they believed me and they called the police. The next thing I know, uh, said, um, family member was missing and said wow. police officer who made first contact was no longer available. And, um, uh, there was a doctor I spoke to and doctor went missing. And so that's when I started to realize I can't tell people this. Right. So um yeah wow that's crazy all right so so this group they are they're known as the illuminati or do they have other names and and what's the real definition of what they are you know like uh who are they or it well um the illuminati is just a name that we have for them i use it because it's familiar to everybody right they have a uh, their own name which uh will probably wouldn't make sense to most people because it's it's actually like a name name you know kind of like chris or like shane right yes. um and i can't say that or i just wouldn't because it's not uh it's not a smart thing to do there's there are certain rules i still have to fo follow uh not naming certain names and certain locations are one of them um so i call them them the illuminati because everybody else does right <laughs> and uh right Basically what they are. Um, so I guess we have to backtrack a little bit. This planet has been kind of owned and controlled by an off-world species that is typically called Draco, or they are a reptilian ET species. Uh, in order to not have to interact with us directly, they created a group, um, a small group that they called the parents, or I have called the parents for public consumption, that... Um, essentially have life extension technologies similar to like vampirism, something like that. That makes it so that they're for all intents and purposes, um, immortal. They don't die. They would be able to live a, a very, very long time. And they do that for the same reason the CIA lasts any American president because or the deep state exists, right? Because, you know, if you're going to change over leadership every four years, you need something that's consistent. So that was their version of the same type of concept this consistent um, group of people who would be in charge of everything kind of take their orders directly from that, from them. That way they don't have to actually interact with here as much as they would have to otherwise. And, um, and then, yeah, just it, the pyramid kind of starts there. So start with parents, each parent has their own, we call them covens. So little groups that, um, you know, are, are close to them. And then below that is where you start to get into all the public structures, like the, the militaries and the governments and the, the secret societies and everything else uh, kind of falls below that initial part of the pyramid. 
which everyone's kind of known. I mean, I shouldn't say everyone's kind of known. People who are into this type of information, I've observed them figure out through research that there is this hidden hand controlling the public that has infiltrated governments, militaries, corporations, all of that jazz. And um, it would make sense that people think that's kind of the top of the pyramid and you can see how that would go down. So I guess what I brought forward um, was the way that the structure looked even above them, right? And uh, people think of like Freemasonry or any of the Rosicrucians or various secret societies as being, you know, the, the hidden hand that controls that. And I was just letting people know, actually, there's a hidden hand above them as well that, that controls all of that. So part of what I was tasked with or what I was taught about was how all of that works, how all of these different uh, things work together to... Uh, you know, influence or feed the top of the pyramid. So as an example, there would be like an Illuminati member in every organization, like in the CIA and the FBI, in the American government, the Canadian government, in the Chinese government, in all over the world, they would just have, you know, members that were in positions of power in all of that, that also know about this higher level of the pyramid. And so that's how they compartmentalize the information. So you could have someone like, um, you know, pick a president, um, not even directly interacting with what we call the Illuminati. They would just have a handler who would then tell them what the Illuminati wanted them to know. And it would trickle down that way. Because so. they want to control the information. Exactly, exactly. And it's all very compartmentalized so that, you know, and I think most people have the perception that someone like the president knows everything about the in and outs of America, but they really don't. Right. And um, again, like even the military doesn't know everything. The CIA doesn't know everything. The CIA will openly admit that they don't know everything. Right. right? So right. Uh, I, our conception of how that has all worked um, has been inaccurate. And even now that we're starting to put it together through Internet, because of the Internet, we can research this, we can communicate with each other. We're still um, blind to this extra spot, which is, um, yeah, kind of what a lot of people have talked about. I think, you know, most people who experienced these cults, programs and projects at some level knew about or understood. And obviously it's fed into our mythology and our religions and everything else that there is something off of this planet that has had influence on us, you know, in whether it's genetic creation of us or just steering the uh, steering the game, so to speak, to benefit them. Right, right. Like I'm not into politics, but I even I know that the presidency is not an individual; it's an institution, and that the president's just the face. So when the, you know certain policies are passed, it's not the president himself that's passing those policies. You know, he's just the person that you see signing the the papers. But um, you you had mentioned uh, David Ike earlier, and a lot of what you're saying is very similar to what he's saying, particularly the reptilian slash uh, Dracos or Dracos, which from you know years of being into the ufology field and and studying it and and reading articles, they're from a system called the Draco system. Is that correct, or am I off on that? Or are they from somewhere else? Yeah. They're they're not actually from there, even though the name makes sense, right? right. But they're they do have like a base of operations there, which is why a lot of people connect the dots and beyond the name. But uh, the where of that is kind of irrelevant. Um, people like David Icke have been talking to people like me 
right? Like they, if you, if you listen to what they say, they talk about how they have insiders, right? And I was one of those insiders ah. long before I ever did a public disclosure, um, not just for people in the alternative community either. Like I was part of an organization that used to talk to Chris Carter for the X-Files as an example. Okay. Um, so wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Cause I remember there was a story. I don't know that many people know about this and he had told the story to somebody else that he was at a party. This is before he wrote the X-Files and he was having an idea of writing um, some sort of a script for a show about aliens, but not not have anything to do with X-Files. And that he got approached by an individual that told him essentially the future. You're going to write this story about this, blah, 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 this this series. And then that person became a contact for him to feed him stories that wound up becoming episodes. So were you one of these individuals? Yeah, like there would be group calls. Right, right. Um, you know, not not to name David Icke specifically, but I'm sure that he's had other influences like that. Um, I remember having a conversation with Professor Griff from Public Enemy where he was talking about how while he was in Public Enemy, people would come to him with like dossiers of right. information that was occulted, right? And um, then he would write that into the the raps and stuff. It actually ended up being uh, kind of the ending of his career, but that is, that's his story. Uh, but yeah, this has been going on all along, you know, like the, the Alex Joneses and the David Ikes and all of them, they have people like me who um, would talk to them and uh, give them information a lot of the time i mean even with disinformation there's always truth to it right so um what we were doing is just telling them the truth and then they go write it into their books and whatnot and then they kind of take the heat and from the illuminati's viewpoint that's them telling people the truth right they can write it into fiction nobody believes it they can give it to someone like a david eicher and alex jones and because they're you know uh, triggering to different people for different reasons. Nobody really listens to it, but they did tell you, right? So it's um, it's an old magician trick of closing the circle, right? It's like every illusionist will tell you exactly what they're going to do before they do it. And after they've done it, they'll tell you not how they did it, but why they did it usually, right? So that that's part of why they do all of that. And yeah, um, for a long time, I actually, it was part of my getting out of the Illuminati, once they, they finally kind of brokered a deal with me to get out, one of the things I had to do was work for this organization that was very much like the X-Files. What we would do, sorry, is um, collect paranormal events, right? We would go to haunted houses. We would go to exorcisms. We would go to, I, I spent a whole year interviewing people who had been abducted by aliens, as right. an example. And what was the what was the reason for that? Why would they why would they want to know these things? Well, first of all, like we saw the X-Files through the TV show, but that um, system actually does exist. The difference is like what they showed you in that show was that the FBI has all of this like this, the X-Files, which are just uh, unsolved cases, right? That are all of their unsolved cases. That is true. But you've also got the CIA who has their x-files and you've also got the Mossad who has their x-files so long before i ever got involved with that and long before the tv show was ever made all of those organizations started talking to each other and they shared together into like a collective x-files if you will so like let's say i went out and we you know attended an, an exorcism we would put make a detailed report of everything we would record it in various ways and then that report would be shared with all of the intelligence agencies 
right? That way, if like something came up, they had a bunch of reports. So that's really the divergence from the TV show. But the rest of the concept of that is actually true, that they have this database of all these unsolved cases that involve right. normal stuff that they do investigate. They do have teams that do investigate and teams who go out and collect that information, right? And as an example, they brokered this deal with me when I wanted to get out that if I did this for them for a certain amount of time, they would, you know, consider that payment and they would, uh, there's a bunch of other stuff involved, but they would let me go. And when it was told to me, it was told that they wanted to collect all this information so that they could start a re-education pro- program for schools. Basically letting all of the kids in school know that, you know, ghosts do exist and, you know, all these things, all these paranormal things are actually real and measurable by science and that some people do have some type of understanding of all of this and, you know, put that into the education system so that we could all know. Now, from my perspective, that sounded great. I get to get out and I get to tell people the truth. All I got to do is spend X amount of years um, living two lives and doing this, this job where I do this thing. And so I did it. And at the end of it, they kind of took, you know, the X files, if you will, and just put them in, you know, the proverbial basement. And you're not allowed access to them anymore. They closed all the sci files across all, all intelligence agencies um, in terms of that database. And that was it. So it was basically us collecting all the truth so that they could bury it. Okay, so let's go back to like you going to, let's say, an exorcism, right? There's two outcomes to an exorcism. It's either successful or it's not successful. So in the end, what does what does that information benefit these groups, Mossad or any, what, what, what do they get from that? What, what, let's say specifically an exorcism, what can they get from that? What are they using that information for? There was a recent podcast on Lex Friedman where he's talking to a CIA agent and the CIA agent, he, they even said the CIA has programs that examine paranormal psychic stuff. I, I could think, I forget the way he said it, etheric um, information. And yeah, that's the aspects of the soul life beyond death you know, um, the truth of consciousness, all of that, uh, it all falls under that. Um, these people don't, the top of the pyramid people would understand this stuff, but the, the layers below that, they're still trying to figure it out. And so that was it. Um, trying to understand the mechanism of something like an exorcism, what's going on there, uh, determines whether or not there's truth to it all right like uh, is it just something that's going on in this child's mind or is there an actual entity there that's possession possessing that body because that's um you know for mainstream science that alternative of that there is another entity there possessing that body doesn't seem real right and if it is real then how do we quantify that how do we how do we measure it how do we break it down what what are the dynamics how does it all work all of that sort of stuff um, is their question. So that's why they want the information, right? So that they can basically weaponize it against us. And then, so what the Illuminati have is a very deep level of all of that. And that's what I call the programs. So what the programs were, were like, you know, very well-hidden um, collection of kids like myself, where they would test us through all of our different psychic abilities, just generally put it under one word, test our magic right? And quantify it and record it and figure out how it all works. And what they have, what it ultimately led to was them being able to mimic everything through technology, you know, like 
take astral projection. They can mimic the astral experience through technology now because they understand how well astral possession or uh, projection works. They understand how astral projection works very well. And so they were able to duplicate that with a technology to give you the experience that would be just like it or mimic the experience of what it's like, but also like test its boundaries, use it for various applications and all of that type of stuff. And yeah, it's, I mean, there's a bunch of spirals for that that are now in the kind of field you're you're podcasting in right um the right. secret space program super soldiers all of that different stuff all comes from those programs and it's not necessarily that they were creating super soldiers but they were trying to test you know human potentials limits they were trying to see how far we could be pushed right through these programs and then there's also a lot of simulation involved meaning um you know simulating an experience so that we don't actually go through the experience but making it seem like we go through an experience not indifferent sometimes in a physical sense to like a, a crisis actor type situation which um like i've done through like regular mainstream work i've done dhs training department of homeland security anti-terrorist training and they would actually stage like a building or a in my case it was a train platform with a bunch of actors that are just acting like regular people as if you know this is just a train platform and everything's normal right and if you were to just walk into that not knowing that it was a simulation you would just think this was regular activity you wouldn't have any reason to question it so that's an example of a, what i mean when i say simulation so there's physical simulations that are run something like that um as an example you know take a bunch of people build something underground that looks like a city bring a bunch of people down there create some type of catastrophe or problem or whatever event and then watch what people did right and record it all um that's not practical because what do you do with all those humans once you're done with it so they do have incredibly advanced technology in these projects and um one of the ways that they can do that is by running us through a virtual simulation and they do that with um a, while we're in a hypnotic state or a heightened sense of or a state of suggestibility and then when we process that memory we think that it actually happens to us so you'll hear things like people having like a 20 and back program right and so what that means in truth is they've been run through a simulation that made them believe that their life went on for 20 years and then they got woken up from that simulation and it was still that day right so it feels like they went 20 and back but they didn't actually go 20 and back right? Clearly, if the elites had that technology, they'd be using it, which they're also quite clearly not. They're all in d dying, decrepit old bodies right now, right? So um, as I say, proof is in the result. <laughs> that, that's an example of a simulation. That's crazy, man. Wow. All right. So I, you, you got me lost because <laughs> I don't yeah, know what I, to ask. I got that. myself lost. I always yeah. do. It's hard to stay. In yeah, because there's so much going on. Um, so let's go back to when you first started and, and you had that family member take you and you would go to your aunt's house. Like what would happen after? Do you know? OK, because I know there's certain things you can't talk about. Um, If you can talk about where you were taken and if you can't tell me like specifically where you were taken, like describe the place that you were taken, like like inside of a mountain or something, like some sort of facility inside of them. Like, and then what was the pro like, how did they introduce you to all these things? Like you must've been like a kid, like what, what, what am I doing in this place? Like, what was their approach to you? Was it aggressive? Like you're going to be doing this or were they like acting like your friends and like, Hey, your family, look, we're going to 
test you on these cool things? Like, how was the whole process? Well, it was very, you know, get picked up, get taken somewhere. And that somewhere isn't where you think you are. There's a, there's a lot of them and different entry points work differently. You, you mentioned mountains, like that's one example. Um, the military does this even. You can see like they just, they have a side that looks like the mountain side. And then when you get approach it, you can move it and, and enter. Right. Um, um, when, I, when I was uh, in the Air Force, I was uh, at Nellis, okay, from 98 to, to 02. And uh, we weren't obviously allowed to openly speak about crazy stuff like that. The military wasn't really big on that. But, you know, whenever you were on patrol with somebody, you know, like I was a, a cop. So whenever I was on a patrol and I felt like I could trust that person, I would have conversations with them. And there were stories of roads that led up. You could see tire tracks that would lead up to a mountainside and that would be it. It would just dead end there. And yeah. there was rumor that 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 mountain is a mountain there that it was hollowed out and there was a, a secret military base in there. So. Yeah. So and you're talking about the like underground that. too, where you drive up and there's like it kind of just looks like flat ground, and then you hit a button and the ground moves out of the way, and now it's a ramp you can drive down into, right? Um, and then um another example, the one example that I, I give a lot of time, like well while I was living in Toronto, one place I would go to, um, you know, I get picked up, we would go to this place, it was a bank, and we could walk straight through the bank and nobody would question us because the bank manager knew not to question us. Right. And so they would trickle it down to all the employees. There was never a reason given to them why maybe they believed um, the person I was with owned the bank. And so they were free to come and go as they wanted to. And then you go into a room that is part of the bank, but that room is actually an elevator that'll bring you down. Right. And nobody really understands that. Right. Like or nobody unless you have access to that room, you would never know. Uh, the very first place that I was taken, the one that um, I did kind of get in trouble for publicly mentioning was Marineland. Um, subsequently, since I wrote the blog, uh, they had a big, huge public campaign run against them and are now closed. Hilarious. Uh, where's again, where's Marineland? Marineland is like Niagara Falls, Canada. So it's a it's basically like a sea world amusement park type thing killer world yeah Yeah, they keep like uh killer whales stuff like that there Mm. so when i was a kid i loved whales and so i was brought there and i was brought into this back room where i could interact with the whale directly and then i was brought to another back room which just like i mentioned had a floor that was not a floor it was the bottom for an elevator and we went down into what was an underground base no longer underneath there anymore that's part of the closing of it and part of the thing i got in trouble for was um actually saying that because they're like fuck now we have to close that place um and get rid of it but um but yeah that that's kind of an example of how it would start too and a lot of public amusement parks have been used in that way or they're built on stadiums things that are you could you could have traffic through and nobody would question Right. Like the bank example I gave you, like that's an example. Imagine like a a football field in the U.S. Right. Like you nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows why you have access to this one door that even security doesn't have a key for. Right. And then you go into that room and it is an elevator. It has some type of access to it. So it's um, yeah, it's really easy to pull off Um, where I live now. They built it. They they built a whole whole establishment buried it and then put a plaza on top of it as an example right Right. yeah i I suspect disney like especially here where i live in florida i suspect there's you know because walt disney himself was involved in some 
and some things that people don't even know about. But well, we know that they do from World War II, right? Like that's yeah. why they, they were using that altering World War II. So we know for a fact that there's underground structures under Walt Disney. What they're used for when it wasn't World War II, nobody seems to want to ask. But um, yeah. All right. So you, you, you say the Illuminati have, have this name called the parents, right? Or the parents are a subsection, I guess, of the Illuminati. They're more or less the top of the pyramid, right? Like uh, just below the Draco. Like the the whole system, the whole pyramid, I view as the Draco's pyramid, right? So we can kind of almost separate them. They're up here. And then you've got the pyramid. uh, And it would go parents, their covens, and then the secret societies, and then the world establishments, all all the intelligence agencies, governments, all that stuff. All right. So so it would be safe to say that they had their hands in like different sections, for instance, uh, paranormal, uh, economics, politics. Like, how does that all work? Well, all you need is like just imagine a law firm. One of those lawyers is usually a partnership. Right. It's usually two. One of them is a member. Right. So they can very easily influence the other one if they need to. If you imagine a corporation one, two, maybe three of the people who work for that corporation are members and they can easily influence the way the corporation goes. Think of the military, you know, get someone who's nice and loyal and put them in a, make them a general of something, make them a this or something. They can compartmentalize the information that way. It's like a need to know thing. And if you don't need to know, you don't get to find out, but that person would need to know so that they could keep that kind of as a secret. And they got away with this for so long because there was no real communication. Like you, ex- you gave an example of what the communication used to be like of like, you know, you're talking to your partner, they're telling you a story. You've got no type of way of verifying their story, right? You just kind of got to feel it out. And until we had the internet, everything was like that, right? Like I could literally take you somewhere, show you something. And what are you going to do with that information? You know, running around telling everybody that I took you out and saw, showed you a UFO. And then what happens if I say, no, I didn't, he was drunk. Well, I don't even know what he's talking about. Right. right. So um, the internet has made that all a lot harder, but they created the internet. So they knew it was coming. And uh, that's a lot of why they broke down the programs, projects, and cults leading up to this and started to break them down. And this is a lot of why we get away with talking about them now, because there's nothing we can really point to that would get them in trouble anymore. Right. Right. So you mentioned like, you know, an example, you taking me out and showing me a UFO, um, which is very similar to what Bob Lazar did. Um, What do you know about that situation? Were you connected in any way with that? Or did you hear any, uh, did you get any information from the parents concerning Bob Lazar? Well, yeah, I mean, there's um, the military operates it's at its own level. And a lot of these different groups think that they're the top of the pyramid, right, which is the mo- most hilarious part. I think the most trouble I got into because of the blog was all of the people who thought they were in the top of the pyramid right. well, um, were very upset with me for saying that someone else was the top of the pyramid as an example. So, yeah, like the military would have something like a recovered UFO. And they would have their own way, like their own compartments to deal with that. And then they would just have the Illuminati would have a member who was in that compartment. Right. And a lot of what they've been trying to do um, when it comes to space and space travel and and ETs and all of that is misdirect us through misinformation. So they, they push a lot of bullshit. And it's commonly held as normal, especially in our community. Um, knowing that it'll keep us away from the truth, right? 
the more we're all, all talking about these space wars going on in the in the atmosphere that we just can't see, the 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 less people ever take it seriously, right? So there's an aspect of it to that, even with um, like a, maybe something more specific like abductions, like UFO abductions. There are some that the military are not aware of, right? That like they it was some off-world species who did it. And then there's a lot of them, if not the majority of them, that are performed by the military so that the public will talk about alien abductions. Part of my role when I was talking about that full year I did of interviewing people was to try and, and separate those two stories, which ones that were actually abducted by the military in a stage simulated event that made them think they were, um, you know, abducted by aliens and which one of them might have actually been contacted by something the government, the military, that organization right. isn't aware of. Right. So in, in your estimation um, and from, you know, your knowledge of things, how many alien races are here on this, this planet that have visited, are visiting, you know, they, they, there's been rumors that there's a lot, but I would imagine maybe there's not that many. Not, not these days. I mean, the planet has been home to many different forms of life. Um, we're kind of at a point now because of the way that this is all broken down and played out that, um, so there's a couple of subterranean species that do live on, do share the planet with us. Some that live underwater, some that live underground and they're their own species. They have their own civilization. they just share this planet with us. And they were at one point in time ETs, not from here. But they're, but they're, you're saying currently currently yes oh okay and they okay. just they do their own thing they're not really involved with us it's been that way for a long time hundreds of thousands of years um various groups it's really hard to generalize any of this stuff because you know just as different as you know where you grew up is from where i grew up right you know, imagine the difference of on another planet and then like a, even a, a type of generalization people will make it be like i was in touch with pleiadians okay the pleiades is like what six or seven stars Right. We have one star and we have this many planets. Right. So that's a very vague statement to say. A right. Pleiadian, right. It's like right. That'd be the equivalent of saying a Milky Way. Right. Or a solar. Right. It's, it doesn't say anything we can see on Earth. You know, we've got Chinese, we've got Mexican, we've got, you know, uh, various whites, various blacks, various everything. Right. So it's not um, something we can generalize like that. So a lot of different moving parts, basically, is what I'm getting at. Um, our governments, in terms of like the uh, the regular government and the military at that level, they're probably aware about four or five different different uh, species. And do you know what they who they are that they've had interaction with? One of them would be Draco, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Um, the rest, I mean. There's names that I've seen the alternative community use, and then there's names that are really their name. So um, I, I don't know, kind of play the difference. And I can't categorize all of them, but there's a, like, they call them the Zeta Reticuli. Uh, Reticulize. Reticuli, that's the word yep. I was looking for. That is a group that has a different name, but like the image that you guys are associating with that name is a group. Um, Octurian is another one that is actually an accurate name. Um it was kind of disclosed through fiction. Actually, it was in the movie Jupiter Ascending, a, a group called Abraxas. That is another one that they were uh, aware of and uh, is related to that other part of the solar system we call Nibiru Planet X. Um, the Anunnaki. Is that the... Because 
Okay, so <laughs> this is where I get confused. I know you, I know, and I know why you're laughing. I know why you're laughing yeah. because there's a lot of confusion out there. You have this. I I got introduced uh through Zacharias Sitchin and his writings. Now, when he first came out, and when I first started uh noticing his his writings and everything, this was like in the '90s when the internet was blowing up, and you go on every UFO page, and they would have all this stuff. And Zachariah was like the standard for um, what is it? Uh, what's that text? That uh, Sumerian text, right? Mm-hmm. And but now lately, people are like essentially like shitting on him and saying that his uh, translations were wrong. So I don't know what's real and what's not. If Anunnaki were really like this race that created us, supposedly, and they came down and now they left. You have the whole chariots of the God and Eric Van Donneken and Giorgio Sukalus and they're, they're, they're talking about this stuff. Like, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not real. You know what I mean? Well, even if let's just uh, either interpretation. Sitchin's or everyone else's. Either way, Anunnaki does not mean the name of the group that did it, right? Either way, the word Anunnaki simply means the equivalent of alien. Those who from the sky came, right? Correct. Came from the sky. That's that's what it means. So to say that they're like they're a race is is just incorrect, right? Right, because any they, race could have come down and then they they're considered exactly. Anunnaki by default. Right. And the Anunnaki, right, those who came from the sky didn't want their images to be saved and they didn't want their name to be repeated in both interpretation, interpretations of the text. So that would tell you that we wouldn't know through those texts what they were actually called or what they actually looked like. And we can also interpret from hearing that from both of those texts that anything they did allow in terms of drawings of themselves would be incorrect and why does it not make sense that they would just go with something that was a giant a bigger version of us because that size difference is you know symbolic of a god right something bigger than you right so that's that's all the images really mean it's just that we had this off-world species who was teaching us stuff or or doing this direction of us the genetic manipulation all of that so even just breaking it down with a simple simple logic there is no Anunnaki, right? Like the Anunnaki right. just means anything that's ever visited here. It's just uh, a label. What the story refers to, as do all of our mythologies and religions, all tell the Draco story. The idea of, and even the name there, because their king, if you will, like great white king, as he's often called here, the reptilian king, his name is Anu. Right. So it's uh, <laughs> Anu, Anunnaki, all of that. Right. He's right. very vain thing that loves his image being, in, you know, into things just enough that we would never actually know. But um, yeah, so that story, if you if you listen to it, that structure of like the father and the two sons is literally in every mythos and religion. And that's where it all ties back to is those names from Sumerian were were put out correctly, Anu, Enki, and Enlil. And of course, based on that, we get Anunnaki because it just fits with the language style and the word that we did have used. So um, the basic premise of it tells you the story of them coming down and genetically manipulating a type of species that was here, like a humanoid species that was already here into us. Um, And yeah, that's kind of where it starts. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, so all right, so that's some clarification there. Um, all right, so let's get into uh, uh, some of the myths, right? That you've, I'm pretty sure you've heard about 
uh, the Illuminati? What have some of the things that you've heard that you laugh at? And you're like, ah, oh, that's that shit's not true, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you know, you have cartoons now. I mean, Illuminati is like such a like a joke now. Like when when back in the days, it was something somewhat serious. Not many people talked about it. Now it's like on video games. Uh, you have cartoons on Netflix that talk about the Illuminati. It's a joke now. But well, what are some of the myths that on purpose, right? Like right. they've been doing this all along is basically even if someone were to come along and start telling some method of truth, they would send someone along to gain the cover confidence of them and give them a bunch of more truth. That was just like a fantastic, fant fantastic version of what they, they know as truth. Right. So you know, taking something small and making it very big, but making that very big thing absurd, right? To the regular, regular people. A uh, very recent example of how they've done this is QAnon, right? So you've got QAnon broadcasting anonymously, putting out these little drops. Some of them are very much rooted in truth, but it also led Q followers into all sorts of nonsense. Pizzagate, another example, right? Put out a bunch of stuff that is quite clearly bullshit and just makes it sound crazy and it hides the truth, right? Because everybody, the average person, like the Joe Rogans of the world, will just see the end result, right? They, and they lose where that started from. Um, had a similar example that I've been using as a, a, you know, example of how this works the other day. I was getting french fries there's a group of people there um some guy starts talking to me about the financial system and how it's all rigged and people should be buying silver and that translates into some stuff about you know uh, i call it the joy that virus thing that was just going around um and what he's saying is all making sense and everyone's listening right everyone's like okay and then he goes you want to know why all this is happening well this is because putin is really invading ukraine to get a bunch of kids out of dumps he's rescued about thirty thousand kids from dumps and you just see everyone go right <laughs> and yeah. that's and that's how it works and we right. do the same thing QAnon did the same thing we blew pizzagate up into the same thing Adren adrenochrome right we've we've taken that and turned it into this shot that celebrities get and they're all getting sick because they're not getting their adrenochrome no but adrenochrome exists and right. they use it but not like that right and because the public gets this version the truth is over here this public version is just so crazy sounding like the secret space program our version of that right like Oh, there's all these different fleets and they're all these different groups and they're all at war with each other every day. And they have all these missions on the planet and they're trying to put us into alternate dimensions. And, you know, it that that takes away from the truth. Right. It, it makes the water so dirty that you right. can't see through it anymore. And most people just check out. And, you know, the Joe Rogans have that fuel to go. Those motherfuckers are crazy. Sorry about my language, but you no, know, no, no, go ahead, that's go for that's it. Exactly what he would say, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you can actually see, and I, I'm using him as an example for that reason, because they use him that way, right? He's like, a tool, yes. He's a tool to do that to show people why what we're talking about is absurd, because it is absurd, right? And the only difference is he's not preserving any of the truth that's in it because he's just pointing out the absurdity right. and it works and it works very well. And unfortunately we kind of do it to ourselves in a lot of ways, right? Like people, um, and the way that I think that this happens is I know that there are a lot of kids, like I used to walk through rooms with 
tens of thousands of people hooked up to computers and shit all in one place. And that's a lot of fucking people. That's a bigger, that's a football stadium worth of people. Right. So like, you know, to see that many people all getting programmed at one time in one place on one day in one hour, just imagine how much of that was actually going on because we've got Russia, we've got China, we've got Korea, we've got India, we've got, you know, all of South America. Like I'm just in Canada. Right. So right, right. it's like um, the amount of people who would have been through these things. <laughs> and because our memories probably can't tell the difference between what was real and what was not, if we were not conscious for it. Right. Like I've been through these simulations and I know that they were simulations because I went into it. It's like putting on a headset to play a video game. Right. I wasn't drugged up and I wasn't unconscious and I wasn't hooked up to these things beyond my will or beyond my understanding. If I was, then, yeah, maybe I would believe that I played Ender's Game in real life. Right. Or maybe I would believe that I've been through a zombie apocalypse and I survived it and they just reversed the timelines and put us on a different timeline. So that didn't happen. You know, maybe I would believe those things. But I've gone through those things like a zombie apocalypse, like playing Ender's Game in a simulation consciously so i do know the difference and like i said because i've seen like literal fields full of people right. going through that without the awareness that i have it makes sense to me why that has worked against us in this particular community because people have memories that are in their memory right like that are were put there but they can't like, like what's the difference i can't tell the difference between the memories even though i know one was real and one was not they feel real right so you take a person like that who is completely on and then you put them on the internet where someone's talking about the secret space program and the cloning facilities and this and that and this and that and what they do is they recall their memory and they implant this other person's story on top of their memory and suddenly they're a super soldier they were in the secret space program they were this as opposed to we've all just been deceived and it's basically been all leading us to what we see now in the public, which is this rise of a virtual world, right? The rise of the metaverse and and uh, virtual reality. And we, we know exactly where that's going. It's right here in front of our face. The majority of the public can't wait to get that VR set, right? And um, I did a series that I called The Machine where I spoke about us being in this type of machine matrix type reality. And a lot of people didn't like that idea and understandably so. But I mean, just look at all the technology that's available to us right now. All you have to do is collect it all and bring it all together. And you have a machine that could run a matrix. It's all already out there. They just haven't started connecting them to each other yet. There are pods you can go in. They're calling them suicide pods right now. But they completely put you into a stasis before they kill you. Right? Really? Yeah. And where's where's this happening? uh, Sweden, I believe. I believe they're using them in Sweden because they have um, assisted euthanasia there. Um, So they've got that technology. That's the pod from the Matrix, right? Um, uh, They've got the psychedelic community looking for ways to make people a more uh, suggestible, but also kind of pacify the body so that they can stay in a DMT state or a mushroom state or whatever that is without trying to sit up or get up or do their thing or, you know what I mean, react physically to what's going on, kind of like what how the brain shuts our mobile sensors off when we dream so that we're not flailing in our sleep. Right. Right. Um, Basically looking for that on and off switch for that too. Well, put that onto VR technology as well. And once again, you have the matrix, right. And then make the VR indistinguishable from reality. 
I've already used VR simulations that can make you believe there's tension on the bow as you're pulling it back just because of like how much it's convincing your brain. And all the neuroscientists are telling us about all these different little bits of technology. Once again, treat it like it's transformers, put all those things together and you have the matrix. So it's not like I'm saying anything that's crazy. I'm pointing to things that actually exist right. and saying, just put them together, right, break right. the left hand and the right hand and, and go like this. And you've got something that claps now, right? So right. Um, yeah, and that's kind of the difference. And I always use the phrase, Proof is in the result when we're talking about these things with the secret space program, as an example, if they're capable of doing that, then why aren't they? Why are they doubling down on being here? Why are they doubling down on trying to control this population? Why are they still doing the climate change thing? Why are they still messing with the environment here? If they can just disappear, right? right? What's the point? Why? Why? Just let us all die right? Let it let go. Would you do that? No, probably not. So why would they? They're, they're not dumb people, right? And so logically, none of that makes sense. What does make sense is that all of that was simulations meant to make you think that so that you don't actually do anything. It's called a stand down program. So that, you know, they can pull off stuff like what they've done over the last two years of completely locking down a society and gaslighting a society and redefining words and completely manufacturing reality for us. Right. So once again, you can see the proof in the result. So they essentially have all these different puzzle pieces. We don't know how to put them. We haven't put them together yet. They just threw them out there. And exactly. and eventually we will eventually put them together and pretty much create our own demise. Yeah. They're, they're not they're not going to do it for us. They're just like, OK, here are the tools. Create something that you're going to destroy yourself. So we don't we're not to blame for it. We're just introducing you to these different you know, technologies or whatever. Is that what's happening essentially? Yeah. Like even when I wrote the blog and I got in trouble for it, like I remember someone from their side explaining to me how like it was a bigger problem with me because they knew they couldn't convince me into doing something like that. Right. Like they actually did try to get me on Gaia TV talking about the secret space program through a proxy just before I actually did make did become known publicly for the blog so that that was one of their ways of trying to make me get into fantasy land and stop keeping things in logic and truth so that I could be discredited that way and now it's because I don't play with everyone's fantasies that they know my audience would only ever be so big right like it's not it's never going to be david ike size where i'm like touring the world in front of stadiums or anything like that because there's enough truth in what i'm saying that makes it not as sexy if you know what i mean i, I know what you're saying yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you're not making it fa- more fantastical than what it really is exactly and people are drawn to that fa- fantastical thing so I wasn't going to bring it up yet, but like to me, like individuals like Stephen Greer, David Wilcox, Corey Good, even Henry <laughs> Smith, you know, these guys, when they first came on the scene, I mean, I was like, wow, all right, cool. They're talking about some really serious shit here. But then after a while, man, I started to like wonder, like, are they being truthful? Like, like, is there an agenda that they're trying to follow? And then like, I I don't know if you know who Jimmy Church is. Um, He has a, sh- you know, Fate to Black. He had like, Wilcox and he had good and Emory Smith on and all of a sudden they weren't on his show anymore and he would have even like his uh his fans would like send messages or call in on the show 
and, and ask him questions about them. He doesn't even want to talk about them. So I knew something was up. I knew something was up with them. So um, are they agents of disinformation in your in your opinion? No, that's an example of us doing it to ourselves. Corey was just a dude who was on Project Avalon for a really long time. I think he legitimately had... was he was yeah. he really like in that project? Project Avalon is an f- online forum for conspiracy theories. It's not a real project. It's it's mm-hmm. Bill Ryan um, used to be partners with Kerry Cassidy on Project Camelot, right? Bill Ryan they they separated and Bill Ryan started a forum called Project Avalon, and it's for you know people like you right to go on and discuss these ideas and so Corey was a member there for years he might have had some type of programmed memory i don't actually believe he did but he might have and that might have been where this started but he basically just did what any one of the people listening to me right now could do is study the community gather the information turn that into a story and then tell the story right get the spotlight and then move forward. And because he had David Wilcock behind him, it made it extra potent. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty well known publicly now, so I have no problem saying it. That's the researcher that I was talking about earlier. And like, because I was already <laughs> talking to David Wilcock before all of that. Right. David had asked me to do cosmic disclosure and I had said no. He, um, his exact words to me one day were, I've got all I can get out of Corey. I would rather focus on you and your story because I know it's more real. And I didn't do it. And then a few days later, there were the sphere beings and the blue avians and all right. of that stuff. And um, of course, I, you know, wasn't having it because it was clearly nonsense. And I'm an honest person. So when asked about it, I told the truth. No, none of that stuff was real. Corey basically read the law of one, took all of this information, knew that would get um, in David Wilcox's head. David Wilcox had a financial incentive to need to do this series. And so he used what was available to him. And so they split at the end of it, too, for the same reason that it was always a made up story. Right. And so, I mean, yes, that's, you know, kind of puts David in the same bad light, but it's not like he made up a story. He was just kind of feeding Corey that stuff. Um, he was riding the train. Yeah. He was, he was riding the train. That's all. And then what they ended up doing was just taking all of David's knowledge. And David is brilliant. Like he, he, like I said, he was talking to me before, like I was one of his insiders, right? He was doing conferences based on stuff I had said to him privately, right? So I know that he's got a lot of information and a lot of it is good information. And and um, yeah, so he basically gave Corey, like helped Corey fill in the spots right. that he couldn't. And that's why now you can see once again, proof in the result. Now that they're not together, Corey can't maintain his story anymore, right? He's screwing up of the details. He's gone a little bit crazy and um all the people who got to know them behind the scenes tell us the truth about what they're really like character wise right or he, right. What he really like character wise right so and that's the other thing about people who've been through what i have been through we don't come out of that and be that unstable of characters right like we're taught how to handle ourselves a lot better than that and so proving the result once again and what about Steve Stephen Green? Is the the whole CE five movement? I think for him, it was just a matter of like him legitimately getting into that field of research and being excited and excitable, 
right? And uh, when someone's excited and excitable and they have that, what Mulder would call want to believe, right? They're very easy to manipulate and feed them full of information and even show them things with technology that exists that would convince them of whatnot. I think even Bob Lazar's story has elements to that. And to Bob Lazar's credit, I think he realizes that his story has elements of that because I've heard him say it, that like what he saw, they might've wanted him to see. Uh, I agree. Right. So. Yeah. 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 He has said that. Yeah. Cause he said that there was a, uh, this memory he has when he was at S4 and he's walking through the hallways and he happened to just really quickly look into this room that had like a, like it had like a little, um, uh, like a glass, you know, uh, on the door where you can see inside. And he said he's, he could have sworn he saw a little being in there, but he yeah, thinks that, that something that, like that, right? Like, yeah, they've, I've, I've seen them do stuff like that. I've, I've seen them set things like that up. I've heard why, like, that was the thing. My, my upbringing through them was meant to be a pretty high level. So they were explaining these things to me as it went. Like I still went to public school and was actually taught the differences between the two education systems directly between what they were teaching me and then what they teach the public. They're like, we're teaching you this because it's the truth. And we're teaching them this because it's not. And you can see how our group, our structure goes in this direction and their structure, their group goes right. in that direction. Right. So they've split society in that way. Uh, and is it, it, and is it a divide and conquer? Is that what it is? Like a divide and conquer sort of, um, strategy more or less yeah just just how they maintain the control right it's how they maintain the power now you had mentioned um in one of your shows that you were probably one of the first kids to mess with an ipad but like (laughs) in in the in the 80s like can you talk about that well that was that that same first experiment experience where i was uh introduced to my what would become my first handler um when they first brought me down in that elevator they had brought me into a little room and they were going to talk to somebody. What, so what year? Do you mind telling me what year? Like a Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they handed me what is, I didn't know at the time, but um, what is a, an iPad, basically, a tablet um, to entertain me. Basically, it had a little video game on it for me to play. And I, I don't know how long I spent, but I spent whatever right. waiting time I had to spend occupied by this uh, advanced technology that, yeah, and didn't get to see again in the public until way later in my life, which was always funny to me. Right. So it was like a one-time thing they handed to you like one time or was it like... Well, no, I was always around technology like that. It right. just, I, I didn't, it wasn't until I started to get older that I started to understand the difference, right? Like, I think I would have been like around six or seven the first time I asked the question. was like, how come I don't have a TV like this at my house? Right? Oh, because they probably have flat screens and, and back then. And a lot of projection technology, right? right? a lot of their stuff was like projected on into space, like holographic. Right. And um, like, I was like, how come this, like, I can't go to the store and buy this. Right. Like subsequently my, my regular life, I had a stepdad who loved stereo systems. So he was always like buying the newest best stereo he could find. And then I was like around the, like surround sound was common to me long before I ever heard it in a theater as an example. Wow. That's crazy, man. All right, so you you you're known as the ruiner. Why why are you known as the ruiner? <laughs> uh, I was was that given to you that name, or you 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 that's the name you gave yourself? We're often left with the names given to us by our enemies. <laughs> um, it was it, uh, one of my handlers used to call me that all the time, and um, I think the reason why I kind of went with it when I 
wrote the blog was a little bit of a stab at her in a way. Like um, I, I kind of reclaimed that name because she would use it to me in a very derogatory way. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. So that's really all it's about. It was um, I, I had to, I wanted to maintain a, a certain level of um, fictional quality with the blog. Right. So I kind of wrote it through a character that I called the runer. And um, that way I can put the disclaimer on it that it's fiction and, you know, my kids don't have to deal with it and my family doesn't have to deal with it. And I've even had, like I had I was talking about that security job, obviously they would do a lot of checking into me throughout my employment with them because I'm dealing with like, you know, um, everything from A-list celebrities and athletes to like prime ministers and presidents of other countries and whatnot. So they were always checking my clearance. And, and uh, that was one thing that would always come up actually was uh, <laughs> that uh, the other thing, my education record, because um, when they would check into my education record, they would have one transcript that says I dropped out of grade 10. And then they have a university degree from Brock university. And they're like, how did you get a university degree if you dropped out of high school? <laughs> right? it's, like, it's, it's a question. And so one of those times they found the blog, right? And they were like, so what's this all about? Um, and I was able to say, well, it's what it says at the bottom. It's a creative writing thing. And, you know, that was enough for them to not look into it any more deeply. Right, so. right, right, right. All right. So um, you were part of this group that went out and it was part of, I guess, your contract, right? In order for you to kind of step away from the 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 illuminati was you know to go on these uh explorations doing these x-files type things did you ever come across like cryptids like like what's your stance on cryptids like bigfoot and dogman since we this is a kind of like a paranormal conversation well i've um i've experienced bigfoot both through them and aside from them actually um i the aside from them story was actually pretty fun that aunt's house who i used to go to um on downtime i would spend it was a big farmhouse i've always been an outdoorsy person there across the street from them there was this old retired cop who had like acres and acres of property and he also had four wheelers and four wheeler trails that he had uh, cut through his forests and he would let me ride his four wheelers and and and, and walk around back and on his property like that and you know for years i was going there and so this relationship went on for years and i nice older man we got we got close he was like this you know old man confidant uh taught like me a, stuff like a father figure something like that you know like uh yeah um and his one rule right from day one was there's a lake never go the other side of the lake we the trail goes to this side of the lake for whatever reason do not go to the other side of the lake i never really questioned that i was just a kid right and it was just the rules so i never really even thought to like why i just thought he probably didn't have trails cut over there so he didn't want me getting hurt or getting lost or whatever but um never really asked and then eventually he was like do you want to know why i told you you can't go on the other side of the lake i'm like well yeah of course he's like okay well come with me and so he took me and he took me to like kind of the in-between spot, like the, the main trail would have gone off this way. And that's the direction I'm not supposed to go. So we went around the lake a little bit there and he's like, okay, now just sit. We'll, we're just going to be quiet. He's like, just don't talk. It's like, when, when it's time, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'm like, okay. But again, I'm pretty used to following instructions as a kid. So I did what he said, sat for, I don't know how long. And then he's like, he just points. And so I turn and on the other side of the lake, you could see what was a very small family of Sasquatch. Got to look like what would have been a mother and father and two kids basically doing things as she was, what would have been the mother was doing something in the water while the father was kind of watching us. <laughs> right? Oh, so they knew you were there. 
knew I they knew we were there. Yeah. And I guess he, you know, he had his father before him and his grandfather before that had owned that property. So it has just been in the same family and passed down and passed down. And um, his son, when he died, got the property and saw the quick money signs of I'm going to contact someone and get them to come check out these Sasquatch that live on my property. I'm thinking, you know, he would get a Discovery Channel thing. He would get all of that. And I happened to be there that day when the military, what looked like military, all pulled up, went in with guns in the forest and came out with body bags. Oh, wow. They killed the family? They killed the family. And they got rid of the evidence. And what I know from the other side is that's how they've handled that for at least the last 50 years is anytime they are reported and they find out about it. So be careful. If you guys have any on your property, don't fucking tell anybody because you'll get those things killed. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Oh, if they find out about them, they will kill them. They do have a lot in captivity as well. So I've dealt like I've, I've interacted with them that way. And then, yeah, a lot of um, the Draco. So what are they like? So you've interacted with them. What are they like? Are they, are they descendants of us? Are they, there are, that, there are species that naturally evolved here. Like um, the idea of like Darwin's version of evolution, they're the pinnacle of that. So they're a naturally evolved creature for Earth. Um, they're quite psychic, at least they would be in their natural environment. Because of the way that we kind of forced them out, we kind of forced them into tribes, if that makes sense. So like different tribes kind of remember different levels of their own past and have a kind of different lifestyle. Some of them live know very much like an animal living in the bush some of them actually have like little almost like a civilization i've even like bumped into some that'll actually shave hair really so, yeah yeah like groom themselves like we do yeah and can talk similar to the way that we do and right. then others that are just very primitive so that 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 varies actually but basically yeah they're just a highly evolved version of a natural species on this planet so they're quite psychic like they're very in tune with things. That's a lot of uh, why they can avoid us is because they know we're there long before we know they're there, right? That's and they any animal learn. really in the in the wilderness. Yeah, and they're also very nocturnal. They prefer to come out at night. So that's another reason why we don't bump into them much because they're right. like at night. They're cannibalistic. They eat their dead. Um, so oh, that's so that's why we don't bones. find their bones. They use their own bones for tools. So yeah. That okay. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> they're actually quite aware of the difference between us and them and keep themselves away from us. That's why there's a part of me that like kind of can get sucked in with things like Sasquatch, Ontario, which is actually pretty close to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know the guy, but I could get sucked into that pretty easy. I'm not, but I could just because like, I do know that they're kind of like that. Like they are, they would, you know, if they trusted you, they would be okay showing themselves to you. Right. And they'd be able to psychically read you to know if you could even handle seeing them. So like that does happen. So I do believe people when they say they've had these interactions with them because I know what they're like and they are like that. They're actually very gentle giants, you know, like, right. and I, I like, there's a YouTuber called Thinker Thunker. Yes. One day. And He's awesome. uh, yes. he calls them forest giants. And I love that. And they would love that too. But um, yeah. I've interacted with them on both sides they exist and that's what they are wow that's crazy so have you have you heard of the sasquatch chronicles wes germer he has a if you if you don't i would look that up i mean his approach to it is is genuine it's it's more or less 
people calling in, telling their stories. He tries to interpret it the best way he can. He he's, he doesn't consider himself an expert, but a lot of what you were saying, he agree he would agree with. Yeah, but he, he's never talked about them using their bone, like being cannibals and eating their own kind. Like nobody's ever really thought of that. Um, a lot of cannibals on this planet that we don't talk about, but uh, <laughs> that's another whole conversation. Yeah, that's another. But, yeah, a lot of those creatures either did exist or still do, right? Like. Dogmen is another one that's like a yeah. genetic manipulation. They have their own civilization. They've also learned to only come out at night. So that's why at the time we spot them, it tends to be at night. That led to the werewolf myth of people turning into, you know, wolf-like creatures at night. So werewolf uh, is a myth based off of a dog off, off of the genetic yes. manipulation. Genetic manipulation, yeah. Um things like that. Um Another one, like uh, probably my favorite day that I ever had with them was getting to swim in a tank with what we would call the Loch Ness Monster. Basically, really? What they pulled out of that particular body of water, um, they have in a giant tank. They have a whole facility up here in Canada, actually, that is very much like, have you ever seen the movie Cabin in the Woods? Yes. You know, the like underground structure there? Yeah, with all those little all compartments the- and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have a, a spot in, in British Columbia, Canada. It's not near any towns or anything. It's just underground right. in British Columbia, Canada that um, is full of them. That's where they keep them. So they store them there. Keep them alive if they can. Sometimes they'll build them like a, a little environment to exist right. in and start their own lives in if they can. Like a habitat. Yeah. And some of them, like, you just kind of have to keep contained because they're very dangerous. All right, so so these okay, so you're talking about Loch Ness. So, in your did they tell you if it was like a plesiosaur or 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 is that a myth that it's or is it something else? General or a myth? Um, it's just a giant lizard, a giant aquatic lizard that we used to have lots of them. We still do. There's uh, some that they haven't quite caught yet. Um, right. And yeah, there's they're all over the planet. And do they look like what people draw Loch Ness to be? Like this thing with a long neck that looks like a ple- like a plesiosaur? Does yeah, it look yeah, like? Yeah. Well, yeah, and we, we've had, like, you know, skeletons of them that we reconstruct and call dinosaurs, for sure. It's the same thing with dragons. Like, dragons were real, have been real. I think we last time we had them here was probably even as close as, like, 15,000 years ago. So um, we use those fire, bones. Fire breathing, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like Game of Thrones. It was just re- I've just been re-watching Game of Thrones. Right. I, I kind of laugh. But, um, yeah, that, that was a normal thing here up until... We started killing them all off or the draco essentially started getting us and helped us kill them all off and what we've done in order to cover up the fact that their bones are scattered all over the place is create dinosaurs you know giant giant animals giant lizards specifically are commommonplace on this planet so are you alluding that dinosaurs aren't real or they're, mis- the they're-, they're a misconception yeah, just a misconception. Like the like I said, giant lizards have occupied this planet for forever. Giant things, giants are like a, you know the t- topic of giants. We've had them. Man, we I, there's we still have giants on this planet, right? So it's uh you know like they they do still exist. The the world, world's a really big place. Like um, I just had a, a American friend visit Canada and like note the fact that like there's an entire twelve hour stretch of Ontario where you see nothing but trees. You're basically just driving on a road that's driving through an interior forest. So that's an entire 12 hours worth of driving at 80 kilometers per hour or like 60 or whatever it is there um, where there's no people, no human beings. Correct. 52% of Canada has not been explored by humans. Russia and China have bigger percentages than that. 
right? I think um, a lot of the conspiracy world does come from the United States or England. And you guys are kind of these very overpopulated islands, right? And you kind of forget the fact that the rest of the world is a lot bigger than you are. <laughs> and, well, that's uh, the thing, though. I'm um, not talking to you directly, Chris, but like, you know. No, no, I understand. No, but what I'm saying is like uh, the fact that America is overpopulated is not true. They just make it seem like it's true. Um, there's something that uh, I was I was listening to uh, another podcast, and there's this comedian. He's an MMA guy named Eddie Bravo. I don't know if you know who he is, but do, yeah. he he had talked about and, and <laughs> something that I think about all the time. It's funny, like when you think of things, and you're like, "Oh, I'm crazy. I'm probably the only one that thinks of this." But then somebody else talks about it, like on a larger platform, and that is that when you're in a plane and you're flying, particularly here in America, and I've driven through America as well because I mean, I drove from uh, New York City here to Florida when we first moved from New York to Florida. And when I joined the military, I drove from Florida all the way across to the West Coast to Nevada. There's so much land and there's areas where you don't see people, but yet they want to make it seem like we're so overpopulated. Why? Because they push us into these big cities. That's why we feel like we're overpopulated. There's yeah. nothing better. There's nothing more that I want than to move to a secluded place. You know, so bad. I mean, unfortunately, my wife doesn't want to do it, but I would love to because I feel like we're just it's just too many people. But there's enough land on this planet. We're not overpopulated. It, it, you know, we could fit trillions and trillions of people if, if we wanted to. So and that ties into another way that they've like manipulated an agenda through our community with like the Georgia Guidestones and making us believe that they want to depopulate. Right. Correct. Yeah. They don't plan on depopulating. They might change our genetics a little bit along the way they might be uh trying to augment us but they have right. no they have no inclination to kill all of us off my, my favorite part of this one especially with the most recent i call that thing the lollipop that they're giving people right? yes i was going to ask you about that because i know it's very controversial um and i might oh, get let me just finish up. this point and oh, go ahead, go ahead. i'm sorry go ahead. I'm, i apologize people are using that as like evidence of depopulation well just imagine yourself as being like the controller of this planet and you've got 7 billion people. Do you want to kill off 5 billion people who will do what you say and leave 2 billion who wouldn't listen to you? Does that make any fucking sense to you? No, because <laughs> no. <make> <laughs> you're still just one person and they're 2 billion. You're still right. screwed, right? So quite clearly that was never their agenda, right? Quite clearly that was not in the works. And what I know from having grown up and being raised to know what they think like, they want to double our population, not reduce it. And what, what would... What, figure out the best way how. And that would be what? To, to have more slaves, right? Double the population to have more, more lemmings. Essentially, well, this is where the X Files was right, or not the X Files, where the Matrix was right, is because the you know how how they're trying to push an energy crisis. Yes, we're the solution to the energy crisis. We're the batteries. We're the batteries. We are a biomechanical system that creates bioelectricity and can be harnessed. DARPA already has pills that do that, and it's just yeah, they problem reaction solution. They're pushing the problem right now getting the reaction eventually they'll offer the solution which will be hey if you take this particular injection you will be able to power your cell phone without having to plug it in you'll be able to power your laptop you can power your whole house without having to plug into anything right so we've again the this community talks about free energy and free energy devices 
we are free energy devices. And that's actually, it's not the first time that type of thing has been harnessed here. It doesn't even have to be in a uh, malicious way. Uh, it's just a really good energy source. We create a lot of energy. Right. So, so like I was going to say, like um, when the whole COVID thing went down and they called it a pandemic and all this stuff, and then now you have like these uh, shots that you have to take and the booster shots, is that their way of manipulating our genetics? Are they doing it through that nanotechnology in the shots? So they really want to get us into augmenting ourselves like cybernetics, right? Um, even with an organ donation or all of sometimes piercings, your body will reject implants and technology, especially being implanted into you. There's certain genes that cause that rejection. And they've now, through CRISPR research, figured out how to shut those genes off. And they figured out a nanotechnology that would go in and shut those genes off. So that when they start things like, let's go with something that everyone's heard about, Neuralink. When they start implanting our brains with Neuralink, our brain won't just kick that chip out of it, right? Our body will be like, oh, okay, I know what that is now. Right. So if you even listen to what their rhetoric or what they tell us that that lollipop, as I call it, does. <laughs> yeah. Right. These spikes. Right. Without saying the rest of the world, I'm trying not to get you censored. These Dude, spikes, go for it, man. Honestly, I don't cells to yeah, have a specific it. response. Right. right. These spikes manipulate your cells into having a specific response rewrite the genetics of those cells to have a specific response and that response is to not reject that <laughs> so that's they're they're literally telling you exactly what they're doing they're just making it sound like it's because of the joy the yeah <laughs> it's crazy all right so let's change let's somewhat change subjects a little bit uh i know that uh alchemy and magic carries a bad connotation right like that's what it seems i i don't believe it i believe that you can use it for good i mean you can have a tool and you can use a tool for positive things and you can use that tool for negative things but what's pushed out there is that alchemy and magic is is negative you know um what's your thoughts on that what's the significance of being involved in alchemy and magic i actually teach uh one-on-one -on -one magic course um where i talk all about this it's uh <clears throat> basically thousands of years ago it was determined that this version of human that we are has way too much way too powerful of a mind and way too reactive emotional our emotional spectrum is massive compared to most species like massive we can go way higher and way lower than the majority of ets that we would ever hear about um so because of that we are kind of dangerous when it comes to being magicians or performing magic and so we were given a bunch of magic systems that you know channel some type of god or uh, gain the favor of some type of spirit or win the favor favor of the elementals so that they will perform the energetic response the magic for us right? and that's because we're not taught how to record um, control this or this or our actions um, I was taught all of those things because I was also taught how to control those things, right? Like I, I know how to, you know, keep my energy from killing my neighbor as an example, right? Where the average person wouldn't. Um, there's a TV series called The Magicians. It's kind of like a, a Harry Potter for adults, but 
in that series, they actually show something that's very true. The students want to learn what they call battle magic, like an offensive magic, like the ability to actually fight someone with magic, right? And um, it's been determined that they're not allowed because they're so emotional. And so they actually have a spell that takes their emotions out of them and puts it into a bottle, contains it into this bottle until they're done using the magic, and then they can get their emotions back, right? At one time they go to do this, there's like a couple and they're fighting right before they do this spell. And then right as they do the spell and she's got her emotions in the bottle, she goes, huh, the way I was feeling about him would have killed all of us. Right. So that's an example right. of why. Right. Um, I also call bullshit on that. I think that we can train ourselves to be responsible and, you know, through discipline, employ the practices that nurture that responsibility that make it so that we're not going to do that. Um, unfortunately, that's just not the way we're taught, right? From the way our brains work, the way we uh, consider feelings. So um, that's what I believe and why why it's not available to us. And then even that, like those magical systems have been more and more taken away from us because they they're basically changing us off of magic onto technology. Uh, technology indistinguishable by ma from magic was programming that was their plan they wanted to that's what the programs were for learn everything that they could about magic fictionalize it bury it occult it as much as they can and then actually give it back to us in the form of technology and if you think about like the average person they're a soul in a body they remember magic they know their soul knows magic but if you were born here now and you were also shown this technology that remembering that you're doing would just translate onto the technology itself. Oh yeah. I remember technology like this is exactly what your human would think. And so that's why they've done it this way and it's working. So how was it beneficial for us to know magic or alchemy or delve in the, into these things? Right at the very root of it um, to be in control with your, of your mind, right. To have like a smaller gap between your conscious and unconscious mind um to be more in control of your energy to like not be as reactive to have a different re relationship with the way you generate energy so that you can control protect and use that for something and i think the biggest thing is there's a lot of people in this community who say they believe all these things and do not act like they believe these things right and not because they're bad people not because they're liars but because they don't actually have true conviction behind what they want to believe and it, to find conviction in something, you have to develop a relationship with it and eventually see your potential to use it. And uh, that's that's basically what we can learn. Wow. That's amazing, man. So to me, like um, magic uh, that we use nowadays is manifesting. And I know you're really big on manifesting, right? Um, yeah. well, we I, I got, I, go ahead. Yeah, we do all kinds of it. Yeah, like uh, we, certain things that we... We do energetically when we're in proximity with our buddies or, you know, our girlfriends or whatever side of that is like, there's a lot of magic that's going on there. We're exchanging information we're barely even aware of. I actually wanted to comment on your name, the, the, the cipher, right? The, yes. That word cipher. To me, what a cipher is, is a type of magic. It's, it's basically like an implant, um, a translator, like Google Translate. 
so that when I'm talking to these ETs, they don't have to speak in English to me and I don't have to speak in whatever the fuck they speak. We right. can understand each other. Right. And uh, so that's what a cipher is. And a cipher is a type of magic. You can actually gift someone your cipher so that they translates for you. Right. It's like this energetic filter that you're basically putting between you and them. So, yeah, yeah um, uh, alchemy in terms of, you know, well, the way that food makes our bodies work is a type of magic. You know, um, everything is mystical. We just forgot to see it that way. Yeah, because I remember um, when I first started hearing about manifesting was that when, when The Secret first came out and everybody was big on that and buying the books and the message was was a great message, but they made it too fantastical. Like, yeah, you can dream of checks coming in the mail and they come in the mail, which was kind of bullshit. But I understand it was, it was a money-making thing, but it's based off of something that's real, the law of attraction, you know? Um, how does one get start started into alchemy magic like, and, and into manifesting the right way, not what Hollywood says, how you should do it? Well, like I said, you kind of got to be purifying those channels right so in a, in a, if you were to go to like a real like if you were knew my the people who raised me and they were to put you in a magic school right now <laughs> they would teach you something that's called purifying the channel which is basically purifying your mind your your energy and your behavior so that you can channel whatever this energy is through you right this deity this god this spirit whatever that is correct correct so for ourselves, that's where it starts. If we want to even channel our higher self and our own energy into manifestation, then we have to start at looking at the contradictions in our thoughts, looking at the contradictions in our behavior, looking at the contradictions in the way we feel and minimizing them, purifying the channel, cleaning the water, whatever analogy you want to put on that so that we are thinking clearly. So a lot of people don't really get it. Like when I was talking about the want to believe, you know, that skews the way we listen to people. Right. Like if you really want to believe someone, then if they're saying something that is illogical or contradictory, you're going to ignore it because you want to believe them. Whereas if you're neutral on that, you're going to hear it. Right. And you're not going to get overly excited by the things that you wanted to hear them say. You're just going to hear them say it. Right. So that that's an example. So that's where anyone would need to start. That's what I teach with my class. It's like I don't teach you how to do magic. I teach you how to become a magician. And then you do you develop your own relationship with energy and what magic is in the manifestational sense even in like you know the fancy magic like fireballs or something like that right basically you're moving energy in such a way that it collects matter and becomes whatever it is that you want it to be the universe is holographic we put kind of like this holographic projection of something into place that is energy and it almost like a magnet starts to draw matter to it, which is how it manifests, right? So um, in order to do this safely, in order to do this well, you do have to develop it like a relationship, very much like learning a martial art, right? You got to go through the belt system or the black belt's going to kick your ass, right? It's the, <laughs> the, same, the same idea. So do you need to go to a school in order to do this? Is it something that someone can no. do on their own? Not at all. Not at all. You can definitely do it on your own. Yeah. So where, where, let's say like a person like me, where would I start? Like what, what, what I have to read or what would, this is where I'm supposed to say, well, take my class, but uh... <laughs> yeah, well, you can say that <laughs> I'm going to put the I, link, I, uh, you know, <laughs> I could point you to like one thing that you could do. There's obviously right. a bunch of different things you could put together. Um, even if anyone ever asks me like what books to read to start to understand magic, 
the best. Honestly, I tell them to read the Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice because she outlines every type of outlines every type of magic through that series and how it actually does work. She's doing it in the context of these vampires, right? But she's doing that because it's almost like um, you know having steroids to make yourself stronger like the vampiric form allows them to be stronger in these ways right. but there are ways in which <clears throat> could all develop strength all right before we end this i had to ask you a question because we talked about a bunch of different things but in the end it's all about humanity right because we we're living one are we living in a simulation and two uh what's the destination for humanity where do you see humanity going like the direction <laughs> i know it's tough I'm sorry. <laughs> um i guess i'll uh, i don't know how to answer this um i unfortunately do think that we have a lot of uh let's call it darkness to get through before we balance the nonsense that's here we're in a situation where we have been controlled by this off-world species that is no longer here and the humans who were aware of them or at least aware of their structure now have the power. And so that gives us an advantage back in that we're not dealing with an ET species, we're dealing with other humans. So we're, we've kind of leveled the playing field to an extent, but they also have the technology, they also have the money, they also have the militaries. So it's not really an even battle either. So I think what has to happen at this point in time is that those humans who do have the control have to be inspired to let it go. And I think that, you know, they'll be half inspired by us, but mostly inspired by the failures of parts of their plans. So in a long-term sense, I think what the human race is going to end up doing is diving head over heels in love with this technology. And then that will facilitate humanity eventually waking up to its own magic. I think it's almost like training wheels that are necessary. I think that we've been so kind of beaten down and had it so fictionalized and fantasticized that we kind of need to get away from it for a while to rediscover it again. And I think that technology is going to end up being basically a portal for that to happen. Now, I think that that ends in us putting ourselves into a matrix so that we stop damaging this planet and our biology. But um, whether that's true or not, I think that this path that we see in, laid out in front of us is going to be a long path. Like it's probably going to last more than my lifetime. Um, humans are going to dive into the technology but I do see that that's going to end up balancing it. Like, I don't believe in like saviors or like people always say, like, if we just took the Draco away, everything would be fine. I'm like, well, no, because we're still fucked up because of what they did to us. Right. right. So this is going to be how we balance it. We're going to create a new God. We're going to call it technology. Right. Let me show you that in American gods as well. We're going to create this new God. We're going to call it technology. We're going to worship it. We're going to develop a new religion. And that's all going to lead us back to the truth and basically what the Draco just figured out and what, you know, these powers of be, even what artificial intelligence is in, this, in the middle of uh, figuring out, which is that there's one dominant technology in this universe, and that is the soul. And it does not matter what other technology you build, whether it's a computer or whether it's a body, that soul can't be trapped, can't be destroyed, can't be manipulated beyond its own choice. I'm, uh, I've 
got this quote that is the universe views the buyer and seller of lies as equal. And I say that to remind you that if you are fucked over, if you are manipulated, if you are led into the dark, if you are somehow trapped, you should have paid more attention. You fucked up somewhere along the way. Take responsibility for that. You can get yourself out of it. And as long as we keep blaming the Draco, blaming the Illuminati, blaming the government, blaming you know, our neighbor blaming, you know, David Icke, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're not looking in the mirror. And so um, collectively we're going through an evolution. This planet is adjusting its frequency, which is what an evolution is. And that creates subspecies of humans. And that creates what we know as, you know, changes in genetics. And so we're going to, we have this window as well, just on a frequency level to rediscover magic right now and start employing that. And so that's what I think is going to happen or is happening right now. And my own personal relationship with that is I'm kind of just going to enjoy the show and be here for anyone who needs a little bit of logical sense talked into them on the days where uh, the fantasy land is, is getting a little bit too much. And that was awesome. Um, last question, Shane, what's, uh, what's next for you? What are you currently working on? What do you have going on in the future? What are your future projects? Well, um, so due to the joy and the lollipops, um, <laughs> both of my jobs, my, my regular jobs, um, required me to have those things. I was working for a, a hospital and working with people of DID, dissociative identity disorder, multiple personality disorder, um, mostly related, like a specialized position related to people who had that through cult abuse or some type of ritualistic abuse, MK Ultra, things like that. Um, I can't do that anymore. So, uh, I kind of coupled that with what I do speaking in this community, I guess. <clears throat> so I've, I've got a Patreon channel. Um, I can send you my link tree that has yes. all these links. Send um, me all your links, buddy. Got a Patreon channel where <laughs> I'm doing, you know, this type of thing, talking about it. I do a variety of things on there. I'm doing a series where I reread the blog and kind of update it. Um, a uh, series where I do commentary on movies and uh, just recently started to get into doing that on music or whole albums as well. Uh, did, I call that cypher, actually, um, which is the idea of just kind of breaking down the mind control behind all these things and uh, why it's working, what it might lead us to believe. And then, yeah, have one-on-one -on -one sessions with people, um, either therapy, like I call it metaphysical support, because it's basically therapy with uh, my understanding of the metaphysics layered onto my you know uh, professional understanding of psychology right so it's a little right. bit of both and then the magic class which is um you know also a combination of both it's uh set up so that you can learn how to do self-psychotherapy as well as a bunch of energy work that will get you in touch with your energy um work on your habits and behaviors so that you can be a magician awesome dude. yeah and uh the link tree is whatever the link tree url is slash shane underscore sador and uh, I'll send that to you so you can put it on yes. your video or whatever, too. Send me all that good stuff, man. Um, Shane, it was awesome talking to you. Thank you for your time again. I know you could have done other things. Um, and I hope to talk to you again. I mean, if you don't mind coming back on in the future, I would love to have you back on. For sure. I usually, with any new uh, channel, would probably have to do more than one because I've got a bunch of different things that I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sure you want to <laughs> narrow down into things. So, yeah, anytime you want to do that, hit me up. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone who's out there, you know, kind of honestly trying to dig through this stuff without just trying to entertain themselves or or um, get into some type of collective circle jerk over it either. Uh, 
you know, authenticity goes a long way. That's what the universe will respond to it, even if uh, other people don't. I got you, brother. I'm going to end the session, but don't leave yet, okay? Yeah. <laughs>